fun topics to talk about. So, well, it looks like we are live. Uh, we're here with the Tomorrow's World Now presentation, and we've got some guests here. Uh, we've got Mr. McNair, Mr. Jonathan McNair, visiting from up in the northeastern United States. He's the regional pastor up there. And we've got Mr. Gerald Weston. He's the presiding evangelist for the Living Church of God. Uh, today's topics that we're going to be getting into are, are, are it's going to be a fun topic. It's going to be fun uh, things to talk about. We're going to be talking about Christianity and is the Christianity we see today, is the Christianity we see today, is that the, the original Christianity? Is that the same thing? Are there differences about it? And then what are those differences if there are differences? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to say that, um, of course, we're very sorry. We sigh and cry for the shooting that happened there in Texas. It's just horrible, especially after uh, what we saw in Las Vegas not just a few weeks ago. Just horrible that that's the case, and, and we really uh, feel for them, and, and it, it's just a terrible thing. So uh, we, we appreciate uh, our guests being here. Uh, we have, uh, again, Mr. Jonathan McNair is here. He's in from out of town uh, up in the Northeast. He lives up in New York. He came up here for the Council of Elders. I uh, wanted to just say, hey, if you can explain what the Council of Elders is, uh, uh, that we have what semi-annually, we have it uh, twice a year, is that right? We, we meet twice a year uh, in terms of in person where we all gather together. We also meet by, uh, by telephone once or twice a year, by teleconference. And uh, it's the, uh, the body, uh, part of the body of the church that uh, advises the presiding evangelist and uh, really uh, focuses on the decisions and the direction the church is, is going. And, of course, it is the living Church of God. I think that most people are aware of that, but uh, uh, it, it, we meet and we, uh, we go over a lot of interesting things. Interesting. Very good. Well, good to have you here, Mr. McNair. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and get into the topic. The topic, again, is, is the Christianity we see today, modern Christianity, the same as original Christianity of the Bible? Um, before we get into it, I want to say, please like or share on Facebook or, or YouTube, whatever you're watching it on. That is, that is really your part in preaching the gospel. That's the part that, that you can take part of. Um, so I want to ask uh, one question. What are some main differences between the modern Christianity we see today and original Christianity uh, of the Bible that we can find in God's Word? Well, one of the things I think we were focusing on even here as uh, we were just chatting, uh, you know, a fundamental issue is where is Christ in modern Christianity? In other words, uh, what, where, is, where is what Christ was about reflected today? And, you know, in a way, I, actually, modern Christianity has, has recreated Christ. I mean, I think that's a, a big part of it is he's, it, it's, it's recreated Christ. What people think about what Christ did... Um, in terms of, in relation to what they do on a daily basis, is there's, there's, a, wide, there's a wide gulf. Hmm. I, I think that the average person would be shocked if they understood the origin of, of their beliefs. Uh, for example, and I don't like to read a lot of uh, uh, things on here, but I think it would be good for people to understand. For example, one of the, the, the founders of what we call modern Christianity today was a fellow by the name of Origen. And uh, here's a quote from the... Uh, uh, handbook to the History of Christianity by Erdman. 
And he says, Origen tried to express the Christian faith in terms of the prevailing Platonic philosophical ideas of his time, mm. meaning the ideas of Plato. Some of his speculations, they give some, he says, but the Greek Christian theology continued to be concerned with the problems which Origen tackled, the relationship of philosophy and the Christian tradition. And then I'll just read one more, and I could read a whole lot more on this, but this is my favorite uh, Origen quote. The speculative Origen not only includes paragraphs on the soul, free will, devils, and angels, but also claims that the apostles, he's talking about the apostles of Jesus Christ, left much else to be investigated by those who were fit for the higher gifts of the Spirit. Hmm. And it's very clear when you look at where these people came from, it was from pagan ideas or uh, non-Christian ideas. Uh, they were borrowing from the philosophers of that day. Hmm. You, know, you know what I find in, uh, in fact, I lived in Asia for a number of years, and in terms of the principles of life, of uh, being kind to your neighbor, uh, not stealing, not committing adultery, many things like this, these are reflected in, in a lot of religions around the world. I, they're reflected in Buddhism. Uh, and so there are fundamental ideas. Some of them have to do with the nature of the spirit realm and this type of thing. Um, there are lots of philosophies that are in common with all kinds of different religions around the world. And, and you see a lot of those then reflected in what's become the Christianity of today, un unfortunately. That's interesting, the, the, the quote you read. Um, I did want to read something kind of goes in line with that. It kind of helps complement that. It's from a, a website, uh, catholic.com. Uh, talks about the Second Vatican Council, the document of divine revelation. Uh, it, the relationship between tradition and scripture is explained, it says. It says, hence uh, there exists a close connection and communication between the sacred tradition, putting tradition in there, and sacred scripture. Consequently, it is not from sacred scripture alone that the church draws her certainty about everything that has been revealed. Therefore, both sacred tradition and sacred scripture are to be taken together, is basically and what Perhaps I, I should say. clarify, because, you know, when I was mentioning before, there's a lot of a mixture of, of let's say, good and bad. Mm -hmm. In other words, um, a lot of principles uh, are, can be good, very good principles, sure. but woven in the mix is different traditions of man mm -hmm. that really are, are, are not the things we read in the Bible and that Christ taught. So um, this is why I think it's confusing to some people in, who, who believe themselves to be Christians today because uh, they're doing some good things. Mm -hmm. um, but mixed within it is, is philosophy that comes from a very different place, uh, and they, they, don't, they really don't know. They, don't, uh, they haven't perhaps thought about it. Uh, maybe they've adopted their ideas because their parents went to this church or because their neighbors do. Um, sometimes they come to a neighborhood and look for a good church that'll, that'll be good for them, and that's all there is to it. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting that one of the scriptures that, that Jesus uh, spoke, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Mm -hmm. That means master, and do not do the things that I say. And there are several scriptures like that. Uh, people think they're following Christ. They, they're very sincere about it. I know we have wonderful neighbors where we live, and, and they uh, are religious, and they try to do what's right. But they don't realize that a lot of this deception has come down, and we just follow what others have done before us. Right, putting... As the, I did. Yeah, well, For much sure. of my life. Right. You know, that, that and in a, in a way, it might be maybe a little rephrase of the question, because um, to some degree... Uh, our average everyday person doesn't totally ignore Christianity, but right. no, no. 
they actually sort of misunderstand what it is. And, and we, when we misunderstand something, we don't know that we're misunderstanding it. And uh, so it's like the, a hood has been pulled over people's, many people's eyes, oh, and sure. they don't know uh, that what they're doing is really not in harmony with what Christ taught and what the Bible teaches. And oftentimes the, the tradition, it looks, it looks good, it, looks, uh, it yeah. sounds good, it, it's difficult to make the connection of why it's bad, like you sure. said. Uh, make, you mentioned something earlier, Mr. Weston, um, in Matthew, uh, makes me think about another passage in Mark, Mark 7, 7 through 9, it says, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tra tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and so forth. And he says, uh, all too well you reject the commandments of God uh, that, may, that you may keep your own traditions. Putting those traditions before mm -hmm. what we see here. That's right. And I think it's interesting that you, we are often told by uh, individuals, sometimes well-meaning, sometimes maybe uh, uh, have other motives, but they, they say that the law of God is done away with. But you always have something to replace it, and that's what we have, is we have traditions replacing mm -hmm. the laws of God. And in the book of uh, 1 John, uh, it says that uh, his commandments are not burdensome, uh, 1 John 5, verse 3. Uh, and if you, if you look at what people say or listen to what people say, they say, well, that burdensome law. But you go down through the Ten Commandments, which, one of them, which ones are burdensome? And they really come out with one. So they do away with ten. They resurrect nine under the term, the law of Christ, and that's their way of getting around one of them. You, you know, some people actually think they're even better Christians because maybe they go to church every day. Uh, they do lots of uh, different beads or what have you, but they do a lot of things, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and yet the things that, that they're doing are not making them better followers mm -hmm. or, or, or closer followers of Christ, uh, even though they do a lot of, a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So they're at, there's a scripture I, I actually was uh, just looking at here where we read in, in Matthew 23, verse 23, where he told the people who were considered very religious of the day. So we're talking uh, not just about taking things away from what God's law should be, but even adding extra, extra stuff. And he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. In other words, they did extra. They were going above and beyond and, um, and are, are very careful, I should say, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. And, and if we follow the example of Christ, you know, what he did is he fairly, justly, mercifully applied the laws that he had given. He didn't abolish them or, or, or remove them. So mm -hmm. that's good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, you know, where do, the, where do the traditions come from? You know, where, what are some of those traditions and where do they come from? I want to read an article that kind of segue into our next topics here. Um, it's from the Republic Standard. Uh, the title of the article is Just Admit It, Liberal Christians, You're Pagans. <laughs> uh, ouch. It's, ouch. Ouch, that, right. That, I mean, that's that intense hurts, there, though. that's for sure. Uh, it says, uh, there is so little that distinguishes today's liberal Christians from the ancient pagans to whom the gospel was originally preached. They would be more honest in dropping the name Christian and adopting once again the title of pagan. Mm -hmm. uh, so that can, come, that can come across uh, quite offensive. Sure. But, but I don't think people, I don't people want to follow pagan no. ideas. I, I don't know what well, you think. I, I think an interesting anecdote here. I was uh, conducting a, a, a study for uh, individuals who had taken our magazine. This was many years ago. 
And as I was talking about it, I, I, I just happened to throw something out. I don't remember exactly the context, but I, I said something about Christmas. Everybody knows that Christmas comes from non-Christian traditions. And, and this fella actually stuck his head out in the middle of the, uh, the aisle, and he looked at me and he said, what? <laughs> and he was sitting all the way at the back. It was just a natural reaction. And afterward, we, we talked, and uh, I... Uh, explained to him a little bit about it, and I said, go down to your library, look these things up, prove it for yourself. And he did, and later on he came back and told me, he said, everything you said was true. But I don't think the average person knows how uh, non-Christian a lot of the traditions are, and those that do don't seem to care. Every year in the newspaper, I think without fail, newspapers are on the websites. Nowadays it's more no, it's more a website or a newsletter or something. Yeah. You always see something during December about the origins of Christmas and how they go back to ancient traditions back in antiquity, nothing like what Christ did. But you always find, I don't know if you've noticed, but you always find at the end of it, there's yes. sort of a disclaimer saying, right. but you know what? Uh, we've sort of Christianized these, and they're good, and it brings family together. Makes and it acceptable. Makes right. it acceptable when, well, like I was reading before, it's really right. adding something, in this case, adding something that really has, has origins that are, whether you call it pagan or non-Christian or Wiccan or whatever you want to call it, it comes from ancient traditions that are not part of the Bible, not, nothing that Christ taught. Right, just uh, putting, you know, putting Christ's name on these ancient right. traditions, mm -hmm. ancient festivals, doesn't make it Christian. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, Erdman's actually has a quote, I think it's page 132 in Erdman's Handbook to the History of Christianity, where it talks about many other uh, non-Christian traditions were uh, uh, Christianized. Well, how do you Christianize something? Do you sprinkle water on it, uh, holy water of some sort? You know, one of the things that we, we teach about is, is the importance of, of the holy days that are in, actually in the Bible and the meaning. And uh, I'm, always, I'm always amazed at, at, at Christmas time when I talk with somebody and say, look, there are really wonderful celebrations in the Bible that have real meaning to them. And uh, let's look at those. But I, they're attached to maybe the family, the tradition, or what have you with Christmas. And um, so it's hard for them to, to break away from, uh, from it. You know, Mr. Smith is uh, is very good about promoting things that he has has written. So I I, I can't resist Mr. Smith sometimes on our program. But uh, we have a number of of fine booklets. But this is one that I that I wrote here, uh, uh, Easter: The Untold Story. And if you've never read anything like that, uh, I I would encourage you to uh, go to our website or. Uh, contact us one way or another. I guess you can just go right online there and let us know you want that booklet. And it, it shows the the origin of these ideas and shows how it hides the, the truly important message uh, of uh, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Right. Just by not keeping Easter, you're not throwing that stuff out. It's just you're, where you keep it the way that God told us to keep it. And, and the very name Easter itself right. comes from <laughs> the pagan goddess, uh, pagan goddess of fertility. That's right. Uh, my own uncle became a, an atheist uh, because my grandmother told him to go out and look for the eggs that the rabbits laid. <clears throat> and he knew rabbits didn't lay eggs. And he was five years old, and he mm. came in and he told her, Mother, you lied to me. Rabbits don't lay eggs. He said, that's when I began to question religion. You, you know, there are other lessons, whether it's, whether it's uh, Christmas or Easter, that are, are taught uh, under, uh, as an undercurrent when we teach our children 
that the rabbits lay eggs mm -hmm. or that a big fat man comes down a chimney, even if you live in an apartment and have no chimney. Um, what we're really teaching our children is that lying is okay. Right. And, and none of God's holy days that are in the, in the Bible that we have in front of us, none of the holy days that, that God teaches about have any lies. Promote lying. They, right. None of them are a lie. Mm -hmm. so. uh, Deuteronomy 12 is a, a passage that comes to mind, and it talks about you know, when the Israelites were coming in and they were, they were taking over uh, the promised land and what God warned them of. He told them, uh, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them, that is the, the pagans, uh, those who were in the area at that time, uh, after uh, they are destroyed from before you and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, how do these nations worship their gods or serve their gods? I'm going to do the same thing. It says, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abomination the Lord uh, hates they have done with, to their gods. Uh, for they burn in, you know, anyways, it goes on. It says, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it or take from it. Mm -hmm. Keeping, really, the holy days is, is going right back. That. Yeah, going right back to what Jesus said. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, mm -hmm. and do not do the things I, I say? Mm -hmm. uh, and he was the one that inspired these words, if we really understand who Jesus Christ was. Right. You, you know, I think a challenging thing is, is for someone who has never heard what we're talking about today, uh, the, the thought can easily be, what, what, do I do, what do I do with this? And the idea of not keeping Christmas and being separated from my family, it, it's, it's tough. And, uh, and what about other... Uh, holidays like Thanksgiving or Fourth of July or, or things like that throughout the year, and and so there's some some judgment that needs to apply here. Okay, is some Christmas as an example? Do we have something that is clearly contrary to God's direction? And as we talked about Christmas, Easter, there are very there are specifics. Mm -hmm. uh, when you come to something like a Thanksgiving, we realize this is a day of of Thanksgiving to God. I mean, that was the the the, the fundamental what it should be, not just uh, eating cake and Watching the Dallas Cowboys. Well, well, maybe I shouldn't. Are you a Dallas Cowboy fan? I don't. Okay, I. You're uh, safe. Well, okay. I mean, I would say a Patriots game. I, I, I like the Patriots, but but you know, it's not just about watching football and uh, and eating apple pie or pumpkin pie or whatever. Um, really, it's supposed to it's supposed to be a day where we, we we thank God for the beautiful land we've been given. So there, therefore, something like that is a great time to spend with family. Mm -hmm. But when it it involves breaking God's instructions, we have to take a step back. Yeah, when you put the name of Christ on something that is clearly non-Christian or non-biblical, that's, that's where it's different. Problem. I'm curious, Mr. Mr. Wesson, you know, in terms of the challenges, you began to live this way of life um, as a young man. What was the biggest challenge for you? I, I've, for most of my life, I have, I have not observed Christmas, I will, I will say. So. Christmas was not a big deal for me one way or the other. I mean, it may have been at, at, when I was young. The biggest challenge for me living in a home where my parents didn't believe the way that I, I did was uh, keeping one of the other uh, special times that God uh, tells us that we are to keep, and that is the weekly Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And a, a little bit of, of research will show you that the Sabbath was from sunset to sunset, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. And so with parents and father especially and trying to honor my father, trying to respect him. He thought I was the greatest kid in the world because I, I mowed the lawn. I did everything I could <laughs> think of that he could possibly ask me to do sure. on Saturday. Sure, sure. 
Sure. Right. Which brings us to our next topic. You know, so first of all, if you're just joining us, uh, we appreciate you joining us at Tomorrow's World Now. Uh, we're talking about modern Christianity versus original Christianity. Is it the same thing? And, and what are the differences? Uh, that's what we're talking about. Uh, we talked about uh, Christmas and the various um, uh, traditions that are kept in modern Christianity versus some of the uh, original Christianity, the, the truth of the Bible and what, was, what, what the early apostles kept. Um, our next topic is about uh, the Sabbath. Sabbath, you said you, that was one of your challenges, coming out and, and not keeping Sunday. Were you keeping Sunday at that time? Well, I was until I uh, was introduced to what the Bible actually says on okay, the subject. So you I, I just Sunday. grew up in a, a typical Protestant home, believing that that was the right place to go, believing that we were a little bit more righteous than, say, uh, Catholics, and my Catholic friends thought they were a little bit more righteous than us. And I came to realize that in reality, we were both wrong. And the difference between my uncle who went to atheism when he found out that he'd been deceived, uh, I went in a different direction because I was introduced to the truth mm -hmm. at that time. And so it took me in a very, when I say the truth, the truth of the Bible, mm -hmm. it took me in a, a very different direction. Mm. So why is it, why is it that much of modern Christianity keeps Sunday and not the Sabbath day? Well, that that has to do, and I'll, I'll perhaps write a little bit, relate a little bit my own uh, experience. Um, I I was from the time I was a child, I kept the Sabbath with my parents because they kept the seventh day Sabbath from sunset to sunset, Friday sunset to uh, Saturday sunset. So, so for me, it was something that I, I grew up with, and doesn't mean it was any less challenging in some ways because when it came to playing sports or music or school or what have you, I still had to. As I grew up, I had to face telling coaches, no, I can't play on, on the Sabbath. But, but as I grew up, I began to learn, well, there's a history to why we do this. And I began to learn about the history where, if we, if we read in the scriptures, all the way back at the beginning of the Bible, we read that God created the Sabbath day and, and commanded mankind to keep it holy, to set it apart. So if you want to go back to history, really, that's, that's the point that we, we really need to, where we need to begin. And then we read about as he began to work with the people, as he began to work with ancient Israel, one of the first things he did was teach them about his Sabbath day, not just the Ten Commandments. I think many people go to, go to that, but also about with the giving of the manna from heaven. On the Sabbath day, he didn't give any. And then the history goes really forward from there and, and on into, let's say, modern history where literally that was changed into a, a Sunday keeping. So I'll yeah, the history of it is quite clear. Uh, Constantine in 321 uh, declared that everybody should rest on the venerable day of the sun. Uh, that, that's kind of interesting. His, his mother was a uh, worship Mithra, the, the sun god, which is where December 25th comes from, the birthday of the sun. And uh, so it, the, the history on that is very clear. Eusebius uh, brings that out. I think that's the original source, but it can be found in, in various other uh, books as well. One of the things that is uh, argued sometimes is that uh, uh, Paul changed, or the apostles uh, began to institute a change to Sunday keeping. And, right. And uh, of course, we have a we have a, a topic, a, a booklet on it. Rather, I'm not sure if we have it available. Is this? Uh, oh, here we go. Okay, we'll do a little advertisement here, yeah. sure. <laughs> Mr. Weston. You did an advertisement. I'll do a I'll do an advertisement. In fact, I tell you what I'll do. I'll 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 begin with your book about that, the Easter. That, there we that's go. good. That good? Okay, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll add one to it. Uh, which day is the Christian Sabbath? And it, and it, it charts how 
uh, a couple of places in the New Testament that people try to right. to turn to are are really not advocating sab the mm. Sabbath being changed to Sunday, but simply a, a gathering on the on Sunday. Sure, it Very, mentions the first day of the week. It just simply mentions it. No, <laughs> I, I read I did a study one time. I, I think it was about 146 times that it mentions the Sabbath day sure. throughout the Bible, and seven times that it mentions the first day of the week. You know, all it does is mention the first day of the week, but when you understand what, you know, what that is in context of, you realize it has nothing to do with keeping Sunday <laughs> and throwing out the other 146 mm -hmm. verses. So, so many, you may have had this, Mr. West, and so many times people will say, well, I can't keep it in this modern world. But the reality is that there are many people like us here and, and uh, our, our brethren, people who believe this same way, who, who do, mm -hmm. and, um, and so it, it can be done, it just takes a determination to, to follow what, what the Bible says, and Christ's example, uh, not the example of the world around us. You were, you were actually pointing out a Well, a you were advertising here. booklets, so I thought I should get in on the act as well. Okay. Uh, the Holy Days, God's Master Plan, and it really shows us that, uh, that there's a, a purpose behind these days. They're not a hodgepodge of ideas that come out of non-Christian ideas. Uh, they actually have a, a plan to them, and it is so exciting when you understand these things. I love going through those to an audience that doesn't know about them uh, because they are so exciting. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got people watching from Belgium, from Ontario, Florida, and of course Charlotte here. And uh, we do have a question that came in, I guess, through Facebook. The question is uh, churches that we, I think we can answer and, and help with this. Churches increasingly are giving acceptance to practices that are condemned in the Bible under the guise of Christ's new commandment to love one another. So how, how would we answer that? You know, how did Christ uh, actually tell us to love each other? How would you answer that? This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Uh, he didn't leave it up to us to, def to define love. We, people think of love as an emotion. Right. Love is an action. And uh, uh, frankly, these people just haven't read the Bible, uh, to be honest with you. I, I remember uh, sitting down with an individual some years ago. He's a minister of uh, uh, general Protestant religion. This was up in, uh, in Canada. He invited me over for, for, uh, to, for a talk. His wife made uh, some chicken dinner for us. It was on a, a Sunday because I had given something on the day before. And he asked me about uh, a particular subject. And... I, uh, I told him, well, this is what the Bible says. And, and he, he had to know what the Bible said on the subject. And then he proceeded to tell me what he thought about it. And he was using human reason. Mm -hmm. and, and Proverbs tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Uh, Jeremiah 7, uh, 17, 9 uh, says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and who can know it? And there are all kinds of cautions against using human reason. But that's where it comes from. You know, there, there's another place we can go that's a key uh, to unlocking this, this question, and that is in Matthew 22, verse 37, where Christ was answering the Pharisees. They were teaching him. They were, they were testing him, and he, they said, which is the great commandment? They were trying to pin him down into something. You know, somebody wants to prove something. They're going to try to corner you, so you have to answer according to the way they're asking the question. And he just... He just stepped back from the whole thing, and mm -hmm. you know where I'm going. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
Well, that's the first half of the, virtually of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? And that's the, the, the Ten Commandments can be roughly grouped into loving God and loving your, loving your neighbor. That's right? how you love. That's mm-hmm. how it's done. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, I think about First uh, John 2, uh, verses 3 and 4, it says, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, uh, or I, you might add, I love him or love other people, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You know, you, you think about it this way. I, if, you, if you have an, a neighbor, or let's say a husband or wife, and um, you're, you, you're, you're, how are you going to show them love? Well, you're going to show them love in specific ways. You can say, I love you, but do you, and you can list a, a list of things. It depends, perhaps, for my wife, it might be uh, you know, going shopping with her, which is a stretch for me to love her that way, but, uh, you know, because, because I'm, not, I'm not a fan of shopping. But, but in other words, I'm, I'm teasing here, but there are specific ways that we can love. For example, um, we may not, we, uh, well, Certainly, by the commandments, we don't steal, we don't hurt, we don't uh, murder. So you don't go out and commit adultery right. against your mate and say, "I love you." But yeah. that's really what these people are right. doing. They're saying we can break the law of God. It doesn't matter as long as I'm showing love. Well, that's not showing love. Right. You know, the scripture that you mentioned there in First John two was so important to me as I was growing up, because I had people challenging me. I'm talking about when I was 17 years old, of whether the law of God was still in effect, but. Uh, and he says, uh, he who says he abides in him ought to walk, ought to himself also to walk just as he walked. What did Jesus do? Did he keep the Sabbath? Did he keep the other commandments? Did he uh, criticize those who, who substituted tradition for the commandments? So uh, the, 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 this is such a powerful uh, statement there. In fact, if you read First John, the, the letter of First John, and if you read... Uh, uh, the New Bible Commentary rev- revised on it. It makes it very clear. It's talking about the law of God here. Hmm. You know, it's it's really, in many ways, a matter of saying, okay, what what is the mind of God? What does he want me to do? As opposed to what can I get away with? Right. And what don't I have to do? And, and, and so what can't a, I do? What can't I? Right. So if a person, um, say this even benefit of you know, our, our listeners, if, if a person truly wants to be a follower of Christ, th- we have to go to, to God's word mm-hmm. and begin digging in and taking it, uh, approaching it with, the, the mentality of what what does God want me to do? What's the mind of, of God? Because that's where the rubber meets the road is, is what do I do now? You know, what? And that's what a Christian is, is one who follows Christ. That's the most fundamental thing about the, the very term. People call themselves Christian, but uh, they don't follow Christ. You know, there's a, a quote, again, from uh, that, that source I had, if I can uh, find it here very quickly, uh, uh, Origen uh, says, well, let me find it here. Origen said, or, I'm sorry, Justin Martyr wrote, Christ is the Logos in whom every race of men shared. Those who lived in accordance with Logos, true reason. In other mm. words, true reason is how he defined Logos, which is the, spokes- the word that we get spokesman from. He says, true reasons are Christians even though they regarded as atheists, for example, Socrates and Heraclitus among the Greeks. Mm. Now, this is, this is the origin of much of right. Christianity. These are the people who formed it, and they're saying that if you have true reason, you're a Christian. Mm. That's not uh, what the Bible tells us. Right. You know, that, that's, uh, we, we've been talking about 
modern Christianity and the traditions that, that are kept in modern Christianity and how that differs from original Christianity. And uh, the last few minutes we've been talking about really the, the, the last topic is, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? It's not just, uh, you know, true reason. It is uh, obedience to Jesus Christ, obedience to his way of life. You know, and it takes a little, it takes an a, a attention to it. And that's the challenge, I think, for, for many. And the question is, are we going to just go along with what our neighbors do or what, or what, is, uh, what is viewed as Christianity as almost like a social club versus really digging in and under, trying to come to understand what God's word teaches about being a true follower of Christ? And that's a challenge because it means a break sometimes with our neighbors. You're perhaps. talking about courage. Takes true courage. Right. So not not easy. Right. It means living by his word. There's going to be there will be changes in our life <laughs> if we if we live by his word. There will be constant changes the rest of our life yeah. by being a true Christian. <laughs> Talks about going the narrow way, taking the narrow path, the difficult path as opposed to the wide and broad way. Mm-hmm. And few there be that find it. Well, gentlemen, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Do you have any final comments uh, before we wrap it up? Thanks for uh, having me on the program today. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, and thank you, Mr. Weston. It's it's good to be with my friend, my dear friend. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We've spent hundreds of hours together. (laughs) He said he's caused you a lot of trouble over the years. Oh, we we enjoy each other. (laughs) A lot of fun. And I'll be sure to tell Chrissy you don't like to go Oh, uh, don't tell her. Don't let her know. This is is top secret now, right? Okay? This is top secret. No, I think the whole world knows about it now. Right. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Well, uh, we've been talking about modern Christianity, how it compares to original Christianity, and the differences between the two. Uh, we do appreciate you joining us. Uh, we want to remind you, please like or share. It really is is your part in doing the work in preaching this gospel, and uh, we appreciate all that you do for us in that. Uh, please join us next Thursday at 3 p.m.